2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It comes down to probably making extra money. You know, it's a marketing thing. Want to make more money? You start marketing what's kind of sexy and cool out there. Oh, cool. OK, so how are we going to get more patients? How are we going to make some more money? Well, how about we market this new kind of hip Progressive angle, functional medicine, we're, we're gonna be the ones that fix you. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of the claims they make on their site are pretty unethical and, and there's some scary stuff like doing all these detox diets and whatnot and marketing that at folks with cancer and things. But it, it comes down to money at the end of the day and you can be the most preeminent place where lots of clinical trials are being done, but that doesn't change the fact that the system is run by MBAs and they have the bottom line.
0: Welcome to wellness, fact versus fiction. I'm Dr. Danielle Bilardo, and I'm a cardiologist who loves evidence-based medicine and nutrition science. But as a millennial, I've watched endless wellness fads take over social media. It's my mission to get to the bottom of things by bringing on the top expert physicians and scientists to help us determine what is fact versus fiction when it comes to your health. It's time to leave the pseudoscience behind and become empowered when it comes to our wellness. Hey everyone, welcome back to wellness fact versus fiction. Today we have part two of the amazing and fiery conversation about functional medicine with Dr. Kevin Klatt and Dr. Spencer Nadalski. Dr. Kevin Klatt, PhD RD is a nutrition researcher and registered dietitian who provides individualized medical nutrition therapy and health coaching to patients and clients. He's also a researcher now at UC Berkeley in California. Dr. Spencer Nadolsky is a family medicine physician who is also trained in obesity and lipids, and he focuses on exercise and nutrition. He is the creator of LiftRx. If you missed part one, make sure to press pause on this episode and jump back to last week where we discussed what functional medicine is and the fake diagnoses you need to watch out for. This includes adrenal fatigue, some kinds of mold toxicity, and leaky gut syndrome whether drugstore lab tests are a good idea and the issues with food sensitivity and allergy tests. On today's episode, we cover marketing scams to watch out for in functional medicine, which if any supplements and detoxes are worth your money. Spencer and Kevin offer their very truthful reviews and pretty comical reviews of Mark Hyman's website. We cover functional medicine red flags and false claims. You're going to love part two of this conversation. Let's get into it. One of the questions I get often that I want you guys to weigh in is, uh, and we've discussed this at length, but I want you guys to weigh in on this for the listeners, is, you know, how is somewhere like an academic medical center, like Cleveland Clinic, have a large functional medicine institute by Mark Hyman, one of our least favorite providers? What are your thoughts? It
2: comes down to probably making extra money. You know, it's a marketing thing. Want to make more money? You start marketing what's kind of sexy and cool out there. Oh, cool. Okay. So how are we going to get more patients? How are we going to make some more money? Well, how about we market this new kind of hip progressive angle, functional medicine? We're we're gonna be the ones that fix you. Oh, except that oh, insurance doesn't, doesn't cover it. we we'll take cash, we'll sit and talk with you, help you with your lifestyle and whatever, which is what we'd all like to do. But if I had to think about it, that's the only way. I, I know there are actual people at Cleveland Clinic, big time academics who are extremely furious about that angle that they're taking it, it, it delegitimizes the cleveland clinic i think it's a joke i mean I, I don't understand how it's even possible that they allow that but it does it makes me kind of uh wonder about what's going on over there sorry to,
1: to break it to everyone who's listening but academic medical centers are corporations in many senses and they are really out for their bottom line and they have somebody internal to them that is he's been doing this for a long time he's essentially generated the market for it that then they are now filling that market with uh, solutions by selling all of these things and yeah I think a lot of the claims they make on their site are pretty unethical and and there's some scary stuff like doing all these detox diets and whatnot and marketing that at folks with cancer and things but it, it comes down to money at the end of the day and you can be the most preeminent place where lots of clinical trials are being done but That doesn't change the fact that the system is run by MBAs and they have the bottom line.
0: Guys, I wanted to review with you Mark Hyman's store on his website so we can review the things he sells because he is one of the biggest proponents of functional medicine. And oftentimes I get asked about the supplements he sells and I want to get your guys' uh, reactions to the different things in the store. So we're pulling it up now.
1: Well, so let's back up one second and say that he is the board president of clinical affairs for the Integrative and Functional Medicine Board of Directors. And then he's also head of strategy and innovation at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And he has a bunch of other honorifics in history related to kind of alternative medicine, functional medicine. He was even the medical advisor to Bill and Hillary Clinton. I think he still is, maybe. I don't know. He has a very controversial history, including like advocating for he's like friendly with Robert Kennedy Jr., like, very anti-vax and things uh, like that. So fascinating. it's fascinating. He's connected to very powerful people.
0: Okay. Well, let's start with number one. His best his number one bestseller. I'm already, I'm already on the floor. Okay. I am the skull emoji. It's called Mega spore biotic. Kevin Clatt, I'd like you first to read the description of the mega spore biotic, which you can all own for $55.
1: For 60 capsules. So it's a probiotic blend of five bacillus spores that have been shown clinically to maintain healthy gut barrier function and overall. Immunity. This is what everybody does. It's like, you know, the gut is involved in the immunity and in certain instances where you can't really tease out causality, there's changes in gut barrier function. And they're treating something that we don't even know how much of a problem if it is a problem, if you look at this whole thing, there's no. It's just saying overall immunity, gut barrier function. These are all very general. There's no real diagnostic test. To oh, s- no,
0: no. He get look read, read that. He gets really specific. The biphasic life cycle of the Bacillus spores allows them to remain dormant in harsh environments until they reach more favorable environments like the human GI tract. Once inside the large intestine, these dormant spores can change into their active vegetative forms and begin colonizing the gut. This unique probiotic blend aims to recondition the gut instead of reseeding with probiotic strains that cannot survive digestion or colonize the gut. I mean, that's a lot of sciencey terms for something with not a lot of evidence.
1: Yeah. You would think that if, if our guts were really all that destroyed and there was this magical probiotic, again, pharma and every other medical institution would be jumping on this because it would be something they could make money off of too.
0: Absolutely. Next up, Dr. Nadalski, can you please give me your take on Dr. Mark Hyman's 10-Day Detox Basic Supplement Pack Pure Lean Pure Pack Kit for only $149.90 you can get the 10-day detox diet basic kit includes all the supplementation needed to support healthy blood sugar balance while on the 10 initial days of the program or the basic plan after transition. This unique combination of supplements in this kit is designed to provide a foundation for cellular sensitivity to insulin as well as sustain the metabolism of fats and sugars. Wow, this is magical. These supplements should be taken every day for the rest of your life for maximum effect. Oh, this just got good. So this isn't for 10 days, guys. Why is it it a 10-day detox?
1: (laughs) Just be taken daily all
0: right dr nadalski please weigh in on our 10-day detox
2: that almost seems like a, a joke at that that last bit that, that i mean seriously does seem kind of like a joke
0: the entire so, thing is a meme this is the,
2: exactly this is the same stuff i make memes about this probably once a week or every other week basically like it's it's great marketing what are you detoxing from like what are we detoxing from you know they try to sound scientific by talking about the cellular sensitivity to insulin and and, uh, you know, we could get into that a little bit, but you don't, you don't need these special, uh, whatever, whatever's in here. I'm sure they they have vitamin D in the front. I could look at their individual d- ingredients, but there's nothing in there that's special. I guarantee it. You don't need a, a 10 day detox detoxing from what? was a healthy blood sugar. You, you can just do that through just pure diet and exercise. If you wanted to, you don't need this special, uh, uh program.
0: And guess what? If anyone says you need a detox. They're erroneously suggesting that to you because your kidneys and your livers do the detoxing for you for free. And if they are not working, you should be seeing a nephrologist and or a hepatologist who will work you up for dysfunction of those organs. But certainly a 10-day detox supplement pack. I mean, the best part is it's 10 days for $150 on Mark Hyman's website. And it says these supplements should be taken every day for the rest of your life for maximum effect. So that's $15 a day for the rest of your life to take these detox supplements. Based on what level of evidence, guys, do do we have an RCT or or anything for this? No. No. How many supplement detox programs do we have here? He has a ton.
1: Yeah, detox is one of the the typical functional things because, again, they're trying to claim to be treating the upstream causes of things, and they claim that impaired detox is the root of so many diseases and of course then you're going to treat it but there's not actually clinical evidence showing that we don't even have great functional indicators of whether like as from even a research standpoint not even a diagnostic standpoint to say in humans whether quote-unquote detox is going well and you have very intricate phase one two detox systems in the liver and then how the kidney and lungs help to metabolize everything and get all the bad stuff out And you ask any of these folks, what are the toxins that are building up? Where was it shown that these toxins building up are causing disease and that lowering them improves anything? And they don't have that evidence. They just kind of their heels and say under the full moon that, oh, well, this is how it works. This is how the disease works. And that they're treating the biochemical individuality and uniqueness of the person.
2: They want to convince you you're broken. They want to convince you you're broken and they want to sell you something to fix that lie. And they're just piling in the money. I mean, it's, it's it's infuriating as a physician who just like, we all want our patients to have a healthy lifestyle, but this stuff drives me insane.
0: I, it's, it's unbelievable because the detox too, especially like if you have CKD, chronic kidney disease, certainly toxins build up in your blood. That's what happens when patients get to end stage kidney disease, where they get closer and closer to dialysis, which monitor them very closely because toxins do build up and then they eventually end up getting dialysis or going on the list for a kidney transplant. Same with liver disease, right? So if you have liver disease and you have, of course, toxins build up, ammonia and things like that, these supplements do not treat that. Those are true pathologies that need to be seen by a board-certified nephrologist, a board-certified hepatologist, GI specialist. These are not things that you can detox out of you with these supplements. We don't see
2: a functional doctor if you're in liver failure. You may get liver failure from all these supplements, though. Who knows what's going on in these things?
0: Here's another one for you, um, Spencer, I really think you'll love is this one called Metabolic Extra. Supports healthy function and glucose homeostasis. And I know you preach a lot about the metabolic supplements. So give your thoughts on it. Okay, let's see.
2: Okay, berberine. Berberine is a, a supplement that probably should be. I think Kevin and I talked about this. It's probably a, more like a drug, but it does have an effect similar to metformin, it may have some GLP effect. But like, again, it's a supplement. We don't know how pure this is. They put in their alpha lipoic acid. There may be some effect from these things, but like, again, why putting a blend of these different things that haven't been uh, studied all together in outcome data and making it seem like you need to pay, I don't know how much this thing was, probably 50 bucks compared to a cheap metformin or something that we know has long-term safety data. The fact that people think that we're big pharma shills and then they just push these supplements, ridiculous. You can
1: find often like one-off you know, N equals 20 small randomized controlled trials, often not published in that grade of a journals because there's some methodological issues with them for a lot of this stuff. And I think one of the other issues that doesn't get talked about enough is like what the outcome is, is always extremely vague. And so for some of these things like berberine, it's like, what are the expectations? Like a slight lowering in blood glucose or something that costs 10 times as much as a metformin prescription, which has a way better efficacy and safety data. And you have way better regulations to make sure that the metformin you're getting is actually metformin in the amount that you're getting or berberine might be something manufactured you have to buy online that you have. There's no standards to make sure that is in there is what they say is in there. It doesn't come with contaminants. There's other things in this, this site too, like in the previous one that you were looking at that promoted like healthy weight, you're supposed to take daily. It's got PGX singles in it which I looked up, it's mainly just a fiber blend of cognac fiber. And there are randomized control trials on cognac. It's like a super absorbent fiber that might make you feel slightly full and slow down digestion. But it's like, you know, over six months of use of it, you might lose a couple pounds and your HbA1c might go down like point one or two points. But That's not something anybody in medicine would really get that excited about. These are like extremely tertiary therapies that don't have that much of a benefit at the end of the day and wouldn't even be predicted to like improve much. And that's why you don't see them in guidelines.
0: And exactly. And look at the claims for the metaglycemics. If you're just reading this and you don't quite understand the way levels of evidence work or, you know, I mean, I have like so much sympathy for anyone trying to navigate this space, because read this description of the metaglycemic C-cells. Advanced nutritional support for healthy insulin and glucose levels, a unique combination of antioxidants, vitamins, green tea, herbs, and micronutrients to support insulin activity, free radical scavenging, reduce oxidative stress, and protect cells. You read that and you think, wow, that sounds like a really good idea. Why wouldn't I want to use metaglycemic
2: For
0: $86. Right. I mean, those are a lot of claims that are not actually proven.
2: So this is made by
1: Metagenics, too. Um, and you can always look through the FDA warning letters and see quite a bit of uh, activity in the past when the FDA used to go after these things more so. I think the FDA really struggles now because they're so underfunded and understaffed and they can't really enforce. But some of the claims they do make for these things are illegal. And some of the companies spend a lot of time and money crafting the wording. So it sounds just medically efficacious enough, but not actually stating directly that it's medically efficacious. Because, you know, the supplement industry has evaded needing to do like phase one, two, three trials for safety and then efficacy testing. That's something I think the listeners really like should walk away from is the distrust around pharma, both historically and at present day. We're not trying to gaslight and say that that's not ever deserved. And if anything, I think Pharma's come a long way with being regulated about what they can say and how they can market and what the drugs need to be and what the levels of evidence supporting need to be. The supplement industry is just playing that same game, but they've wholly evaded regulation. Like the alternative, if you're trying to take down big pharma, you are only lining the pockets of different billionaires who have done more shady things by propping up supplements as the alternative that's better than pharma. I
0: agree. And I actually think that's a really important point is that so? since I started medical school in 2010, graduated medical school in 2014. Drexel, I I essentially grew up in the post-Sunshine Act era. So the golden age of where pharmaceutical companies were doing, uh, and there really were times when they were doing things that were unethical. And there's a lot of exposés coming out about the uh, about narcotics and the way that pain medications were marketed and things like that. And That truly, you know, like Kevin said, we're not gaslighting the fact that 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 is real and was an issue. In my era of medical training, I haven't known that era. It is so highly and tightly regulated. You cannot get a pen from a pharmaceutical company without signing something. And you can actually look up any physician, including myself and Spencer. You can go right now on CMS, Google CMS Sunshine Act. You can put my name in and see that I've taken no money from pharma. And you can uh, you can look that up for any doctor.
2: It looks like I have some money for it like, because I got some crappy lunches.
0: <laughs> oh, mine. I has like mine says like fourteen dollars.
2: Yeah, I don't but know. But I think
0: it's I mean. from when I got my vaccine making. It. I don't know what it was. Shake shell. <laughs> yeah. fourteen. But like uh, you can look up any doctor
1: Well, any 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 like physician like naturopaths, chiropractors, PhDs. There's no Sunshine Act for that. Any
0: physician, yes, because yeah. physicians are the ones that are prescribing med- medication. So it's, you know, and I think that if you have a lot of hesitancy towards this, you you can look it up. It's all public information. So growing up for me as a doctor in the Sunshine Act era, I've never been swayed by pharmaceutical companies because... I go by guidelines. I go by evidence-based medicine. I use guidelines in addition to patient-centered care with my patient's preferences, of course, because not every patient fits into a guideline necessarily, but I go by that because even for cardiology, for ACC and AHA, there's strict rules about guidelines committees and how much people, you know, the amount of conflict of interest that there can be, It's going to be very limited. And the amount of people, you know, there's guideline chairs cannot have any conflicts of interest or take any money from pharma. So it's, it's really regulated. And
1: guideline committees, they're full of people who have training in how to do research, how to critique research and everything. And I'll, Not only is everything transparent there with guideline committees for the most part, but when you look at alternative practitioners who pit themselves against it, I mean, you guys can speak as as physicians, I can speak it as from just the dietetics training without my PhD, nothing makes you qualified to be diving into cellular and molecular preclinical experiments like what most of these folks are relying on and really adequately understand what's happening. You're not trained in the research methods associated with pathophysiology, synthesizing evidence, how things get to RCTs. Like, and that's something that's super important. And not that self-learning isn't a thing, but I can, you know, I see dietitians all the time, you know, that some of the functional nutrition tests that have been put out there are like measuring nutrient levels in white blood cells. And they're just sort of using it as an assessment that like technique at baseline and then for follow-up with patients because it's being sold. It's something that they're adding to their toolkit. But I've talked to some of them and just been like, you know, the, the white blood cell has never been validated as a matrix to measure nutrient levels and as a valid marker of, of status of it. And, you know, the companies will give you the output of not only all these micronutrients, but also different amino acids and things. And I'm like, gosh i would love it if if these things were truly linked to dietary adequacy but they're just simply not and in many cases they've been shown to fluctuate too much on a day-to-day basis to be an indicator of what you're eating and have evidence against using them in the diagnosis but you know the, the expertise is often not there when you get into things that folks weren't directly trained for which is something to be concerned about and and all of this stuff is getting into to not to you know every single bioactive compound and every single dosing, what the clinical evidence is, and often at the end of the day, your people who are selling these things probably don't have access to the articles because there's a fee to access scholarly journal articles, and they aren't reading the literature because science isn't open; it's still behind closed door, and you have to pay publisher fees. And that's kind of the, the wild part to me is a lot of the science that's being read by alternative practitioners relied upon. They're relying on what the abstract says to give them their so mental medicine is not perfect but it's full of people who are trying really hard and who are doing everything they can to get trained to understand the strengths and limitations of methods and how to best synthesize it all and sort of the general, practitioner that brands themselves as functional medicine doesn't necessarily have the training to kind of really understand all the strengths and limits of the research that they're relying on.
0: That's a really good point because I think in general, people don't quite understand that when we refer to guidelines, it's not like a cop-out. It's that we're referring to Many, many, many levels of evidence being critically appraised and evaluated by experts in that field of those levels of evidence. For example, I am a physician in cardiology, but I would not be appropriate as someone to be on the dermatology guidelines just because I'm a doctor. And so uh, because I don't know what's clinically meaningful, so you can have a test that's positive, and we'll go over a lot of this with uh, Dr. David Noonan when we talk about evidence-based medicine. But you can have a test that's positive, and whether or not that's clinically meaningful makes all the difference. So me, as a cardiologist, knowing what it means when a stress test is slightly positive or has one wall with abnormal motion versus two walls versus you know this much ischemia versus TID. That makes an incredibly a wild difference in how we evaluate and treat patients and how someone in cardiology would evaluate the evidence and guidelines because you want to make sure there's a clinical difference there. And so, Yeah. So, I mean, this is why I always say if someone has some special secret surprise potion or magic that no one else knows, like these functional medicine doctors have these secret that no one else knows and that aren't in any of our guidelines and somehow every other physician in the world has missed out on these magical supplements, then your spidey sense should go up red flags everywhere.
2: They have no secret. There is no secret.
0: Spencer, what's uh, what's your piece of advice for everyone listening in order to determine what's fact versus fiction when it comes to things they see on the internet?
2: It's It's really hard, but if it seems too good to be true, the red flags are like, hey, we have something that other doctors don't, you know, like you said, what are the odds? If they say they're going to heal you, if it's nebulous, like Resetting your metabolism, balancing your hormones. Now, be specific. How are you going to do it? What do you mean you're going to do something that some other doctor doesn't know how to do? Be very specific in the type of hormones. Be specific. What are we detoxing from? What's the end result? Just start being skeptical over some of these ads. You're going to see the ads. You're going to see the ads for the the tests that talk about food sensitivity. They're going to attack your pain points in marketing terms. They're going to attack your pain points, and they're going to tell you they have something to fix. Uh, fix your spidey sense should go up. And you should say, Okay, let me do a little bit more research about this. Kind of look around, ask your own physician, again, they may not know anything about it. And these marketers are really good at making you think that the other doctors don't know anything too. So uh, that that's what I would say.
0: Great. Um, Kevin, what about you? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I would piggyback on that and just say, be really skeptical
1: and really try and take ownership of your medical or nutrition care, or whatever that ends up being ask for, how do I objectively know whether this is working? How do I reduce bias and just my own subjectivity in the process and just put on a little bit of a critical thinking hat where you can and learn about the topic. I, I want to say like, it might sound like we're all sitting here as just like relatively privileged folks. But I also have like a very rare chronic autoimmune disease, And have gone through, I've gotten to the point where doctors tell me, there's nothing else. We don't really know what's going on. There's no, none of the tests are coming up positive. We don't know why you have these symptoms. You know, sorry, Uh, we can put you on some drugs that treat it. And I understand like being like, okay, well, I'm just treating the symptom of joint inflammation and nothing else. And the the problem is, that's all disappointing, but that, that reality doesn't make what everyone's trying to sell you work. And really approaching the marketplace with extreme skepticism, because I, you know, have had everybody tell me everything from pure veganism to pure carnivory is gonna cure my autoimmune stuff. And that's just wholly incompatible with the two totally different opposite diets We're not gonna fix things. And I've had folks tell me, Oh, I need to go gluten free or whatnot. And and everybody has a quick one off solution they can tell you, despite uh, you know, there not being really any data to support it, because people want a solution. To it being skeptical is really important, and setting up uh, an approach to, you know, your own medical care, if you can, that reduces bias and has objective measures that you can assess whether things are working or not is really important. Because we don't want, I think, at the end of the day, is for you to get scammed. This is not to tell you don't ever try any product out on the market or whatever. We just make sure you do it in a way that's healthy. And you don't have expectations of this is going to cure me, this is going to diagnose me, this is going to do all this amazing stuff when the data is there to support it.
0: I agree. And I think that also remembering that a lot of supplements, even though they're touted as benign, me and Kevin could go on for days about the amount of patients uh, we have. Kevin's my registered dietitian for my patients, and we could tell you for days the amount of patients we have that have had bad reactions to supplements that they've been placed on by functional medicine providers, and they're not regulated the same way medications are. And the scary thing is that certain supplements interact with a variety of medications, including cardiovascular medications. So my biggest advice for anyone listening to this, who's like, I can't learn, you know, evaluating all these levels of evidence. I totally understand. I totally get it. If you're like, just tell me who to follow and what to do. And I will just do that. Like I, I get it. It's so hard to sort this all out. And I would say that my number one piece of advice for anyone listening would be you are a consumer of your healthcare, find a primary care doctor who you trust and love, like someone who you trust. And that may not happen with the first doctor you see, you know, the first doctor you see, just maybe you guys don't jive well, or maybe they're just always rushed and, you know, uh, to not to their fault, but they just don't have enough time for you or if you just your personality don't feel comfortable disclosing everything to them find another one and then if that one doesn't work out find another one search until you find a primary care doctor who hears you out who validates your feelings and most importantly, who gives you the time. So in the traditional healthcare model, they may not be able to address all of your issues in one visit, especially in primary care, where primary care doctors have all my respect and primary care nurse practitioners and PAs. They are so important in our healthcare system. We couldn't live without them. And all of the primary care providers in general, their job is so hard. And even if they can't address it all in one visit, that's okay. You can say to them, listen, I have other issues I really need to discuss. I need to make a follow-up for next Tuesday, you know, next week. And, And start to make your relationship with your primary care provider the way that it would be with one of these functional medicine providers where you feel like you're getting that validation, you're getting the attention you need. It may be spanned over uh, multiple visits, but it still is going to be important, especially when finding someone that you can trust that follows evidence-based medicine. And I think that's an important thing to do because, uh, you know, there's no reason why you should stick with a healthcare provider that you feel like you're not being heard by and they're not listening to your symptoms. But just remember that the hardest thing we can do as a doctor is say to the patients, I don't know, and we'll keep trying to figure it out or, you know, try different things. But I truly believe that is the right way to approach when you don't know what the etiology is of someone's symptoms and maybe send them to other specialists to evaluate, but giving them a made up or false answer to me is, uh, is so wrong. And for me, the reason why, um, I know Kevin has a personal experience with, with, with health and why his views on this, my view on this really started to feel strong. My view about misinformation and health started to feel really powerful when my niece was diagnosed with leukemia. And I recognized that as a doctor who is trained in internal medicine and cardiology, I literally could not remember, you know, anything about leukemia. And trying to read the literature and the research papers on her kind of leukemia and variant and all these things like was so confusing to me. I'm fortunate that my best friend from medical school, Vanessa Fabrizio, shout out to her is the amazing pediatric oncologist now. So I'm lucky that she helped me navigate this with my sister and my niece and my niece has an incredible oncologist, but it made me realize how scary it is when you have a family member or you yourself are sick and you are just vulnerable and you don't know what to do. And we all want that health and happiness. We all want to feel better. We all want to be happy. We want to be healthy. And especially parents who want that for their children and looking at the amount of predatory information that is out there for parents of children with cancer is unbelievable to me. The functional medicine groups and the integrated medicine groups, they all really prey on cancer patients. And it's just heartbreaking to me. And I know, Kevin, you saw a lot of that at the NIH as well. Oh, yeah.
1: That was that was everywhere. It was actually very medically concerning in some instances where folks were doing immunotherapies. Uh, it's more novel uh, T-cell therapies and whatnot, where you want to activate the immune system. And then some practitioners told, sold them some immune support formula that at least the animal data and whatnot shows that high doses are reducing you know, T-cell activity. Which is exactly the thing that we were trying to increase the activity of and increase the cytotoxicity of to use the immune system to kill cancer. And then they're on high-dose turmeric, high-dose omega-3s, high-dose green tea extract, I think my highest supplement review from my time there was about 27 supplements. I've gone higher since and, and uh, this type of stuff. But just reviewing a copybook of 27 supplements and kind of talking through with folks, okay, this is the theory. This is what they're trying to say. And a lot of the very hazy terminology within functional nutrition of like immune support or boosting and whatnot really dumbs down uh, in a bad way a lot of the science about like okay well there's times you want your immune system working and there's times you want to mount immune response and you want to resolve an immune response, and it's much more complicated than what's made out to be folks are trying to sell you some immune support product and and almost none of them had ever heard that maybe this isn't a good thing or maybe this is there's an instance where this isn't going to be helpful and you know it, it's it's really sad because you often have family members saying, you know, we're spending hundreds, if not more, a month on these supplements. Is, there a, is this working? And you know, they're, to get to the NIH, you really have to be, uh, like, you have to have gone through a lot of other referrals, basically, to get to the point of being on one of the clinical trials. So folks are, in a very sad way, just, like, really desperate for anything they can get that might work. And folks don't, a lot of these practitioners will sell you the might work, part. But never talked about that might be bad in these different contexts too,
0: and that's that's the problem is that the victims here in all of this are the people listening to this are the patients or the individuals are the people that are the consumers of this, they are the victims. Like I do not blame a single person who is listening right now that said, oh, I spent a ton of money on X, Y, or Z supplements, or I went to see a functional medicine practitioner had all these labs done. I don't blame you at all. I totally understand why. And as we talked about before, many reasons are that our traditional healthcare system, you know, has many cracks that have led to a space where people are seeing, Seeking, you know, outside medical care, but then also in general, like everyone listening, I know we all want the same thing. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy. We want our families to be healthy and happy. And, you know, I look at especially patients with cancer. It's like what parent wouldn't do everything on this earth to help their child with cancer. And that is prime for these predatory groups to make money off of various supplements, various treatments with low evidence base, et cetera. Uh, I find myself very fortunate that I have my friend from medical school is able to help my sister and my niece and my brother-in-law kind of navigate through everything with their oncology team. She has an incredibly evidence-based oncology team that we're able to help. But I imagine that if you are alone in navigating this kind of thing, it can be scary. And, you know, you may fall prey to these individuals and that is not your fault but we're just here to tell you that there are good healthcare providers. There's good registered dietitians out there that are evidence-based. There's good physicians and nurse practitioners and PAs out there that are evidence-based. There are good healthcare providers out there that are evidence-based that will do their best for you. And I do think my generation, our generation, Kevin, And Spencer, our generation of physicians, nutritionists, I'm hoping that we are all trying to make this trend last. I think we're trying to make evidence-based medicine cool.
1: Yeah, and empathetic. I I think so much of what, uh, you know, we have time with patients so that they feel heard and everything, because that's one of the big differentiating factors between conventional medicine and the alternative approaches is that people feel heard and they just feel better knowing that somebody is looking out for them and that sets up a situation where, if you're just kind and hear people, and then you also throw eight million supplements at them, and you know they, they at the end of the day, like they have a positive perception of the experience, then that they're more likely to go out and say that all these things worked and everything, and that's fine. But we don't actually know if any of the things worked uh, I think medicine could learn a lot by just patient satisfaction is really important, and so much of that is just getting time and feeling heard and probably don't need to have all of the dozens of supplements to get that same feeling of feeling like you've gotten good enough that's something i think is important for folks who are listening that might be like well i had a really wonderful experience with a functional nutritionist etc a functional doctor and that's that's great we're not trying to convince you not to go see that person or whatever but more so if you're on a huge regimen, and you're taking things daily just to stay skeptical, stay aware that some of these things can have side effects over time. Particularly, like long-term herbal extracts and whatnot can have hepatic complications. And just because you had an enjoyable experience, doesn't mean you don't need to be on the lookout for side effects. Because this is what real physicians do with like prescription medications—you look out for side effects over time. It's not just I found a regimen that works for me, and and I feel good about it. I'm proselytized about functional medicine being amazing because it's no we're not saying it can't possibly work for some but also set up a system for yourself to figure out okay what parts of all this work because there's a reason that there's a sort of you know, an hour long visit you feel heard and then you're sold a bunch of things you can't really at the end of the day in an unbiased way figure out what worked what made you feel better what didn't make you feel better and that's very profitable for you know the, those sorts of nutrition I can't tell you the number of times i've had people be like come to me and i've had patients for than a year in, in duration where I keep seeing them. And at baseline, they are like, somebody told them they need to be on a gluten-free diet it'll cure all their ales. I, I, I don't touch those things. I'm like, if you're doing a gluten-free diet, as long as it's otherwise you know nutrient sufficient and meeting all your needs, we can design a diet around gluten-free and if, if you don't have celiac. And like a year and a half later, they'll be like, you know, I think I more just bought into this, the, the gluten-free thing. And, and I started eating gluten again. And they really don't feel any. That's where our own biases and be things that we have to keep in check and so and being skeptical even if you've had good experiences just make sure you're not spending hundreds of dollars a month on things that you don't need
0: yeah and that could be uh something that could Occasionally, you know, in certain circumstances have more harms than benefits and the the risks outweigh the benefits in certain cases. Well, thank you so much to Spencer Nadalski and Kevin Klatt for discussing this today. We probably could have gone on for 10 hours. You can find the wonderful Dr. Kevin Klatt, who is a registered dietitian and PhD nutrition scientist. Find them on Instagram at KCKLATT. You can find Dr. Spencer Nadolsky on Instagram as well at Dr. Nadolsky, N-A-D-O-L-S-K-Y. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I would love to keep bringing you all the latest health and wellness information and misinformation to debunk. So please do me a quick favor and leave a five-star rating review and share with a friend. Make sure to leave a comment about which wellness bag you'd like to debunk next and I'll get to the bottom of it. Follow me on Instagram at Blardo MD and our podcast page at Wellness Fact versus Fiction and be sure to tune in next week.